Welcome to the first episode of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love, start a business, and generally crush it at life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business in sunny Southern California. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched JustGoFitness.com, kind of in the health and fitness space, and now with JustGoGrind.com with careers and business. In this episode, I talked to Eddie Barrows. Who is Eddie Barrios? He is a president's associate at Caesars Entertainment in Las Vegas. He has an MBA from UCLA, went to USC undergrad. He's done consulting, interned many places, including Paramount Pictures. I uh, worked at J.P. Morgan Chase as well. Just an all-around great guy. And we talk about the MBA process, kind of on deciding a career path, how to gain experience through internships, and just so much more about careers and kind of how to find your path in life. It is a great episode. All the show notes will be at justgrowgrind.com slash podcast. Also, if you leave a rating and review in iTunes, hopefully a good one, I would absolutely love that. Lastly, I appreciate all of you for listening. And if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash just go grind. Let's get into this episode with Eddie Barrows. Welcome to the show, Eddie. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. What about yourself? <laughs> uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Glad that you're here. Glad you can make it here uh, to do a little podcast episode. One of the first episodes of Just Go Grind, which is exciting because I've wanted to do this for so long. Um, first off, I have to have to bring this up. So you went to USC undergrad and yep. UCLA for your MBA. Yep. Who's your allegiance to, Eddie? You know, I, <laughs> I think I did it in the exact right order that was right for me okay um the allegiance it always goes to your undergrad alma mater so i am a trojan uh all the way down to my core (laughs) but uh you know what ucla was just right for me for grad school so honestly no complaints on either end okay so yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay i i I had to bring that up because of course when i went to like admitted student weekend in usc they're all talking about like those people down the road and all that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and then you Mm -hmm. ended up going to ucla yeah i mean you know, to be fair, there's actually more uh, Bruin Trojans mm-hmm. um, than you would think. We actually go by Brojans. Bro- so, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. People, do, people doing both. I, I could see it. I mean, they're both in the same city. So depending on what you want to do program-wise, like, oh, yeah, I'll apply to both of these and it'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Get to know your city well. That, right. that, that was my perspective. Okay. Okay. And you also lived You lived in New York City. or Right? I New did. York City, right? I did. Yeah. Do you prefer either, either coast, West Coast, East Coast? What did you think? Um, Just curious. You know, honestly, every city is different. Yeah. And personally, I actually grew up in Boston, so I have my oh, personal biases against New York City. New York City was essentially a copycat city that used Boston as a blueprint. <laughs> uh, so I experienced the original. Okay. And then I experienced a slightly larger form of Boston in New York City. Um, honestly, both coasts are different. Yeah. But, um, you know, t- to each their own. Sure. Here I am in Las Vegas, so it's pretty clear which coast I chose. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You made the decision, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, the weather here is not too shabby. But, Absolutely. But you've been here like a year now, or yeah, I've, roughly a year. So you've you've had yeah. a, a Vegas summer. Yes. Already, that's the key thing. Yep. Getting through that Vegas summer, it's like 110 every single day. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like I wasn't expecting it. I knew it was gonna be hot, and it was like the level of heat is just it's it's a lot. It's a lot yeah, to handle, it's man. It, it, you know it's a lot to take in. <laughs> I kind of walked into it, so if you could survive the worst, sure. Then uh, everything else after that is, you know, just that's just a really uh, good day. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Going back to your undergrad at USC. Yep. 
take me to even like going like going into college did you have an idea what you wanted to study what you wanted to do career-wise yeah, that's, you know what, that's a great question. I would, and I would guess that probably three quarters of all <laughs> teenagers have no idea what they should do for the rest of their life. Sure. So I was really no exception to that. Um, my criteria, and I'm not joking when I say this, my criteria for my job search was I want to wear a suit when I go to work. <laughs> okay. And I want to not be broke. And so what do you do to not be broke? You study business. And who are the not brokest of the business folks? The people who study finance. And that was really my criteria. Um, I grew up in the projects of South Boston. So mind you, I didn't necessarily have a very clear view of what the professional um, spectrum was in terms of options. So I said, suit, business, finance. Guess I'm going to USC Marshall and I'm studying finance. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I probably could have used a little more introspection than that, but that was honestly the uh, the thought process there and kind of figured things out as I went along. Okay, so you you knew that that's going into it, that's kind of what you wanted. So you had an idea, which a lot of people don't know, like you said. Like a lot of people yep. are not really sure going into it. I know for me, it was like, I, it changed. I went into oh, undergrad. Absolutely. I think I was trying to be like a coach or something. I, I'm a, I wanted to be a coach, I think, a sports coach. Yeah. And then it was a strength coach, and then it was mm-hmm. like, ah, maybe personal training, but mm-hmm. people don't always know going into that. So yeah. So you kind of had an idea of that, and then what was the path kind of, you know, senior year, junior year, what were you thinking, where did you start? Yeah, I mean, thought process there? I, I think, you know, as you enter college, your perspective grows exponentially with every single year, sure. and I think a lot of people have those phases where what they think they want to do can change weekly, can change daily. One day you wake up and you're like, wow, I should probably be a lawyer. The next day you're like, no, 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 everything's fine. I, I, I think this finance thing is cool. And then the next day you're, you're thinking about being a creative writer. Sure. Um, and so I was no exception to that. But as school went on, um, I had the benefit of having a number of internships that helped me kind of inform what I actually wanted to do. Yeah. So when you actually get into the into the real world, into the professional world. In the environment world, itself. Yep. Yeah. Your perspective can change radically. Um, so my, my trajectory was pretty interesting. I kicked off an internship um, at Blue Cross Blue Shield, bounced over into the finance world. Um, the, next, the next summer, uh, I was a summer analyst at State Street Bank. And then I went over into investment banking uh, at UBS, mind you, in the heart of the recession <laughs> yep. uh, in 2009. And so I, you know, I've experienced the buy side, I experienced the sell side in investment banking. And what that did for me by the time I was a senior was told me that I like quantitative things, but I don't like being a robot. And so to me, <laughs> be, yeah. And so to me being a robot, that was, that was investment banking. Okay. And you know, the, the way that you could kind of think about it is this, um, you know, Justin, if I asked you to adjust this EBITDA and I gave you a company's um, 10Q, for sure. example, or their 10K, you and I should both arrive at the same number. There is one answer to that. And me being a little bit more of a creative spirit, yeah. um, you know, I didn't necessarily thrive in that rigid environment. I'm quantitative, but, uh, you know, not that... Uh, So so that's kind of where I was at the end of my senior year was, you know, how can I find a a role that I can, you know, really explore the quantitative side of the business, but 
not be in a role where um, there's only one right answer to things and I'm essentially a, you know, what I call a robot. No, no offense to the the accountants or the bankers. <laughs> right, I understand. I understand. In so in that undergrad, so you did these different internships. So you tried different stuff out, which is great. Anytime you can get actual real world experience, I think that's helpful. It's beneficial. I would agree. Did yeah. you? I mean, did you utilize career services? Did you reach out to like friends and family in the in those like companies or industries? Like, how did you go about that in your undergrad? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's a great question, especially if uh, you don't necessarily have a family background who, you know, who has a long list of people who have gone to college before. Sure. Um, so I had the benefit of uh, joining a fraternity, and there were a good number of individuals who were on the same career track as I was. Um, and so these were also guys who were a little bit older than me, uh, but they were going into the, uh, in, into the banking world, into the finance world. And so I could emulate the steps that they were taking. Sure. Um, one other thing that I really took advantage of were internship programs that were specifically um, tailored to underrepresented minority, minorities. Um, so myself being Dominican from the East Coast, you know, first generation going to college, um, you know, I really needed these services <laughs> to give me some semblance of guidance Yeah, because I didn't have it. So I actually um, participated in internship programs like Inroads and uh, sponsors for um, educational opportunity. And so, you know, through those through those internship programs, that's how I ended up on Wall Street uh, in an investment bank and arguably the most competitive uh, job market to date. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. So that's, so wow. I mean, there's so many different resources we don't really necessarily know we have and like yes. I guess you have the self-awareness or at least someone told you to look into this, these things or like you know it's helpful to have that even like I was thinking about my MBA already like going into that that type of thing it's like the consortium and these different programs that are helpful for other people you don't really yeah. know there yeah. unless someone tells you about them you don't really know they exist exactly so exactly it's, it's like you kind of just have to you have to have that proactive spirit nature to go find these different things because they're out they're out there you know they're obviously out there so going from the undergrad where did you start where did you spend that first year or two in your actual career your actual job yeah yeah so you know kind of continuing along this uh linear story yep. um i got to experience you know high finance at its finest or its worst uh take your take your picture <laughs> um you know and, and like i said i knew i liked quantitative functions, yep. uh, but I wanted to be in a slightly more um, creative environment. And so I think I really lucked out. I found the perfect mix yep. in management consulting. So management consulting is mm -hmm. very quantitative. However, the questions that you answer in consulting oftentimes don't have a, have a single answer. So you might get a massive data dump and your manager might say, Hey, Justin, find $6 million in savings based on this data for this bank's uh, future budget. And so if you gave me that data, I'm going to have a different answer than you. And so for about four and a half years, I was a management consultant uh, right, out of, right out of school. Okay. And, you know, to its, to its credit, I really liked the experience. Um, I actually parlayed that into being essentially an internal consultant at J.P. Morgan in New York. Uh, very similar function, just layering in a little bit, little bit more uh, project management. Okay. But what that helped me also learn was, hey, I love the quantitative functions. I love being 
creatively quantitative. Now I could actually level up and say, while I like the function, I'm not necessarily very passionate about the subject. Ah. So, so this is kind of a linear story of self-discovery sure. as I go from the internships into the real world. So that was my experience just out of undergrad, uh, and, I, and I did that for about uh, just over five years. Just over five years total. So management consulting yeah. roughly for like yes. five, five plus years. You know, a lot of people, especially if you go and get an MBA, a lot of people are going to go into management consulting. You went to, into it out of your undergrad. Yes. Fine. But you still had the experience of being Out, out of my ignorance uh, for, for, for what <laughs> sure. I wanted in life. Call it, but, call it what you want. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of people are interested in management consulting. Yeah. I was wondering if you, you know, just could you speak further on management consulting, what you enjoyed about that, you know, maybe some of the challenges about that. Because I myself even, I've thought of like management consulting because of the idea of, again, that creative, there's not one Pro- yes. One like solution to the problems they have. One, they have many problems, yep. <laughs> and two, they have many solutions potentially. Yes. And that's something I know personally. I've thought about like, oh, that would be interesting because you can use the strategy, you can like, you know, use the quantitative skills and all that. Yeah. What was it like for you, man? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, I would say that if you don't know what it is you're doing with your life, going into management consulting gives you probably one of the most versatile skill sets that you can have professionally. I, I kind of liken it to um, the Navy SEALs of the professional world because you can get thrown into any situation. Sure. Uh, these could be very high level strategic projects. Uh, for example, if this company is having a merger, what do we do with the C-suite? We now have two of everything, two <laughs> CEOs, two COOs. What do we do? You can go from those very, very high level projects all the way down to digging into operational efficiencies. So um, we have a very, very large IT group. How many people in the IT team do we need to accomplish the, uh, the IT tickets that are coming in every day? Very operational. So you, you see the entire gamut, everything from high-level strategy all the way down to operations. And so from that perspective, I loved management consulting. For yeah. somebody just kicking off their career, um, it teaches you to be very flexible because no one project is the same. Right. No one set of data is the same. No one client is the same. Uh, no one division of a company is the same. And you're required to be flexible in order to develop recommendations in three to four months and learn something completely new, learn enough to be dangerous in a very short period of time. Wow. So you have, you have to be very flexible um, and Probably the other thing that I really liked about management consulting was getting thick skin. Um, so when you're, what do you mean? yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, so when you're younger, at least when I was younger, I used to think the world was, or the adult world was, a perfect place. The data is clean. Everyone's nice to each other. When you ask for something, you get it, sure. and everybody, you know, puts a pretty little bow on their deliveries and they smile and say please and thank <laughs> you. As a consultant. Oftentimes, you're thrown into projects because there's a problem. Right. These companies don't hire you because they're doing fine. But they don't like to pay you just for the heck of it. Exactly, or, and, and they don't they don't like paying a 23 year old 250 dollars <laughs> an hour uh-huh. um, to do something because their own employees couldn't do this. So, it really teaches you to have thick skin because oftentimes you're seen as I, I don't want to say the enemy, but there's definitely an us them. Um, perspective when you're, you know, 
on on a client site and you're there to fix something that the day-to-day employees either couldn't do themselves or might be the cause of or you're actually um, training training people who live in India to take their jobs you're you're not seen in a very uh, positive light and so I think being a management consultant gives you um, really the experience to to have thick enough skin to take things in stride maintain um, the utmost professionalism because remember your clients are paying very very high fees for you right and you have to deliver you have to deliver if the client needs something tomorrow you get it done no excuses yeah um, I pulled just as many all-nighters being a management consultant uh, as I did in college but maybe <laughs> that's just me I'm, I'm a natural procrastinator <laughs> yeah yeah at the same time like you said if they have a project that comes up that you have to do you don't have an option it's not like you have a choice yeah. like it has to get done and they're paying you for that service so yeah. you don't really have much of a choice you know when, when you did management consulting did how many different like clients did you work with like you said you have you know said three four months per client yep. roughly are you were you all over the country with these like mm-hmm. how was your what was your experience like and i've heard different things oh I've yeah looked into management yeah. consulting and i've heard sure. different sides of it i'm curious what your yeah I'm, was. i i think you're you're spot on uh you've you would absolutely hear a different story from every consultant, everyone, yeah. you know, w- within the same uh, consulting firm, every consultant will have a different experience. Point, yeah. um, so for my first two years, I or year and a half, I didn't leave Los Angeles. In fact, I rarely left downtown LA, which is where I lived. Yep. Then um, what was funny immediately after that, I couldn't stop getting staffed on projects on the East Coast. <laughs> um, so I had, I had a number of projects all over New York and New Jersey, upstate New York City. Uh, Jersey City. I also had a project in Chicago, but again, uh, you know, consulting is a very opportunistic um, business. So you go where the business is, and uh, also the the state of the projects change with the times too. Sure. So you know, kind of speaking speaking back to the flexibility piece, um, flavors of projects come in ebbs and flows. So as an example, in two thousand and ten. This was on the tail end of revenue enhancement being very big for banks and insurance companies. So that was my that was my industry sector, sure. uh, financial services, revenue enhancement. How can we eke more fees out of our out of our customers? Yeah, that became vilified. I'm sure you saw, <laughs> uh, you know, all these news articles about non sufficient funds and yep. and uh, you Just know a few things I saw. Yeah, know. very 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 <laughs> negative for these for these banks. So all of a sudden. You no longer want to attack the top line. It's all about cost savings. Sure. So I worked on a very large number of cost savings projects uh, for the bulk of my management consulting career. And then I exited right as the regulatory piece was being levied on the bank. So how do we prevent another financial meltdown? Now regulatory compliance um, was the new flavor of the week. And so that's when I exited. But honestly, uh, management consulting very opportunistic. Yeah. Your experience will definitely be um, commensurate with whatever is hot in the times. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. so in that in that time, I mean, a lot of people I meant for consulting. I've heard, I've heard different stories because sure. everyone's different experience. <laughs> um, is it typically starts with like a two year commitment or a two year contract, and then people go from there? Is that what is that? Am I correct it, with that, or is that? Yeah, I mean it. it it really depends on the firm. Okay. Uh, some of your larger firms have more structured um, advancement processes. Okay. If you work in a boutique uh, management consultant firm, so one that's more specialized, uh, that might not be as um, set in stone. Okay. 
But uh, on the banking side, especially in investment banking, there's you know the two-year analyst program, and then either you're a third-year analyst, and then you go on to be an associate, or you you ship off to something else, or go to go to business school. I'd say consulting, at least in my experience, um, was a little fuzzier. Um, you could kind of stick around in your positions for varying lengths of time, but there wasn't necessarily that two-year churn and burn, okay. at least as an entry-level um, consultant. Right, and the yeah. churn and burn, as you mentioned, is, yeah. is all too real. From If you look up anything about management consulting, that's one of the things. I looked up articles, I Googled, okay, yeah. day in the life, management consultant, what is it like? They're like talking about their travels, talking about like two years, like done. That's it. You lasted like five years? Yeah. Five years. So you must have liked it yeah, Somewhat? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, enjoyed... li- I liked the function of it. Yeah. Um, I'm a very quantitative guy, so I ended up being the Excel instructor for each new incoming class. Oh. So so I can't say that I that I didn't like a bulk of what I was yeah, doing. I really sure. enjoyed that. Um, but, you know, really, really the nail in the coffin for management consulting for me, it was two things. It was the flavor of the types of projects that I was starting to get into toward the end of my uh, career in financial services. Sure. It was regulatory compliance. Doesn't exactly get you out of bed in the morning. You know, I'm just not passionate about whether or not JP Morgan is compliant yeah, with new regulations. That'd be tough. Reg Z, Reg D, Dodd-Frank. It wasn't my, it wasn't my shtick. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people love that. You know, some people go to bed thinking about that. I'm sure there's one or two of those people in the world that exist. Yeah, one, one, one or two. <laughs> one, one or two, two of all the management consultants in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of your... So that was, you know, that was really it. And, and also it was honestly the, uh, the subject matter itself, banking. So I can't necessarily say that if it was a different subject matter, sure. I would have stayed. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was really the industry that I was in. And so, you know, that was really when I had to look hard and deeply at what I was doing and say, you know what, I think I might need to make a career switch. Okay. And then, so, you, did you go straight then from management consulting into your MBA program? Did yeah. You, did you have so, a different job that you went right away into? Yeah, so, um, I w- so I went from management consulting into being essentially an in-house management consultant at J.P. Morgan. Oh, okay. yep. um, so that was my, my time in New York. But by the time I was done at J.P. Morgan, um, I was pretty much decided on uh, going back to school. Okay. So I didn't have that interim period where you kind of find yourself. Sure. Granted, I, I, I really wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, if I, if I could have had my way, I probably would have uh, gone off for a year and either done bartending or worked in a retail clothing store, something where I could actually interact with human beings what? and not just be behind a computer. And I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um, I, I was starved for human contact. Sure. Um, but that didn't happen. I, I didn't have a year to year to kill or, or the budget. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's another thing to think about. I guess, so going into that, what is what was your thought process, your mentality? You're like, okay, you're in the management consulting. It's not exactly what you want because of compliance and all that sort of thing. But then what is the thought of, I need an MBA, versus like, you could have just changed careers, you could have done something else. What was the MBA thought for you? Yeah, so the MBA, in my mind, um, for me personally, helped me knock on the door of companies that I was personally interested in. So for me, the the MBA really makes sense for a couple of reasons. If you're a career switcher, meaning you want to switch Maybe it's industries, maybe it's the function, 
um, or both. Yeah. Um, it's for people who perhaps want to switch geographies. So in my case, I wanted to go from the East Coast and get back to the to the West Coast. And um, probably the uh, you know the third reason I could see you. Uh, getting an MBA is if you need a bit of an accelerator on your career. So let's say you're at a at a small banking firm or a small consulting firm and you want to bump up to the bulge brackets. You want to get into Goldman Sachs or you want to get into JP Morgan. Um, or, or, you know, you could really apply that to almost any yeah, industry. I mean, you're, you're at a boutique ad firm and you want to make it to Madison Avenue. Then it might, the, the MBA might be more of a career accelerator. So for me, I knew that I wanted to do it. With, you know, it was really because I wanted to switch industries and I wanted to switch functions. I was completely pivoting. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, if you look up what you should be doing, should I say in air quotes, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, change your function or change your industry. Mm-hmm. Don't do both. But I mean, something like the MBA though is a chance to really, you oh, could absolutely. do both as opposed to just trying to get a different job. You could have you could have gotten a different job in a different function or in a different industry. Like yeah. One, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But an MBA yeah. for you. Is I like, mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, as so as you advance in your career and as you become more senior, sometimes the hardest thing to do is get the interviews. Sure. Your skill set might be spot on. Um, I mean, after you spend a few years in any function, your leadership skills naturally grow. But honestly, some of the hardest uh, things to do in a career switch or, or, you know, a job switch is just getting the interview, having your resume, um, you know, be looked at and actually have the credibility to actually get you in the front door to have that starting conversation. Right. And so I was trying to go from management consulting in the financial services industry into broadly entertainment. Yeah. And so there really isn't a management consulting role in the industry, especially if you want to go in-house at one of these companies. So you're completely looking for, you know, uh, you know you're, you're trying to boost your credibility industry-wise, but also perhaps changing your your identity into something like a marketer or um, a corporate finance individual or, you know, really, really anything. Um, there really, there is not a management in-house <laughs> management consultant. Sure. So, so I was, I was doing the whole shebang. So, yeah. so the whole switch, everything. And okay. So you decided to go, you want, you want this MBA, you know that yeah. you have to look up all the process for like, how do you actually go and get an MBA? I got, yeah. for me, I remember my thought of all that was like, I had no idea about any of this. Yeah. Let's start Google searching. Let's see where the starting point is. And the starting point is going to be basically, uh, the GMAT. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the first mm-hmm. things. And I remember I just wrote an article recently uh, about the GMAT hell, going through GMAT yes. hell because it's not exactly fun. Exactly. What, what was it like for you, like going through that whole process of even getting ready for the MBA? Because I know people are interested potentially in like, oh, should I go back to school? I've had questions. I know people see you're going to get an MBA. Like, oh, wait, like I, I thought about it before, but like, what's that process like? Yeah. For you, what were you kind of – Yeah, it was – What was it like for you? It was hell. Um, imagine being out of school, thinking that you're done for five plus years, and then you're sitting in a GMAT prep class, learning how to quickly calculate the length of the hypotenuse of a triangle. Um, I've never had to do that since I learned it in high school. Yeah. Since I touched on it again in college. And then up until I actually had to relearn it for, for the GMAT. So it was, you know, it was, it was hell. Um, but it's one of those things that you just have to do. So, so you did a class though. You did so, prep class. Yeah. So I did the the uh, the Manhattan GMAT prep course. I okay. did the in person sessions uh, for a solid number of weeks. Okay. Uh, it was it was probably around 
12 sessions. Okay. Um, I actually didn't take the GMAT immediately afterward. I, I started my GMAT prep class in the spring, which wasn't a great idea because the summer was looming. If you've ever yeah. spent a summer in New York City, yeah. you have a lot of distractions. I can only um, imagine. <laughs> so I, I didn't time this thing well at all. Took a few months off in the summer. Yeah. Actually took the GMAT twice in the fall. You did. Okay. Um, and my recommendation for anybody uh, looking to study for the GMAT, do as many practice problems as possible. Sure. Learning the theory and going through the classes is great. However, practicing problems, nothing will compare to that in terms of value when you're actually taking the test. So you took it You took it twice in the fall, and then yep. did you apply it like round two in January? Exactly. Okay, so you yeah. Okay. So I, I applied uh, round two uh, for the most part. I was also applying through the consortium fellowship, okay. uh, yeah. general application, and sure. doing all the supplementals and you know going out and doing the interviews. So that definitely helped um, expedite the process for yeah. a number of schools. Um, but, just, cur- just curious on GMAT, yeah. though. i got to ask details. Sure. Did you, how long did you prep in total? Um, so three months of class. Three months of class. Plus one and a half months after I started rebuckling down. Okay. So that, so in total, half, five, like four or five months, God, um, and I still wish I had more time. That's, see, that's so crazy. And, like, <laughs> I, I know my decision-making sometimes is, like, like, not sporadic, but, like, if I want to do something, I'm going to go do it. So, like, I had, like, <laughs> like five weeks yeah so i had thought about the nba like a year before i actually decided to do it yeah and then it ended up being like this whole thing of like oh, okay well when is like the earliest let's apply yeah. round one because why not i want to wait and then i had like oh well what's the deadlines they're september and then was it now we're like end of july like, yes oh shit like what am i gonna do exactly decide to hey do if, that, if, but... if you have personal structure to your life and yeah. can get yourself to actually crack open those books sure all the more power to you yeah i however needed a structured periodic class yeah. that made sure i was actually you know doing the reviews doing the homework doing the practice practice work well that's the self-awareness you mentioned right yeah, uh, like yeah. self-awareness knowing like what you your style is that's yep. something people have to have um mm-hmm. to understand like what they're gonna need to do i know if i wait too long then i just get bored with it yeah i'd be like no yeah, i am a natural like a, procrastinator i can yeah. naturally wait um, <laughs> as long as I can, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a skill that I have. It's a skill that I don't like to have. Yeah. I mean, you're not the only one, my friend, you're, yeah. not, you're not the only one. So, I mean, that's something that a lot of people have that, even especially revolving around school stuff. It always seems to be yeah. school. You're like, Oh, I can wait for that. Right. I'll, I'll exactly. be fine. I'll wait, but yeah, it's fine. GMAT, you do all that, that, that nonsense that is a GMAT <laughs> applying to schools. And you mentioned the consortium, um, but also, like, what schools were you looking at? Like, how did you, what was your criteria for them? Yeah. How did you even choose that? Like, I'm curious about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's a process that's kind of unique to to everyone. Um, yeah. For me personally, I was heavily looking at industry. Okay. So if you know what industry you're interested in, I'd say that should be your first uh, set of criteria for, for looking at schools that you'd like to target. So I was looking at the entertainment industry, right? And frankly, in in uh, my MBA research, there were three schools that had the most well-developed entertainment programs, and that was NYU uh, in New York and uh, USC and UCLA on the West Coast. Sure. And so that was my major uh, set of criteria. It was industry first. Um, secondly, it was geography. So I knew I wanted to be 
on the West Coast. Okay. And so that ultimately drove my decision to go to UCLA. And and I you know I'm not I'm not gonna lie it was it was a hard, you know it was really hard for me to pass on NYU culturally. Um, I really felt a strong connection, and maybe because I lived there, I was able to go to any and every uh, event, which often included drinking. So, yeah. um, you know what? Sign me up. Stuff. I'm there. <laughs> I need to learn about this program over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. I'm so, going to learn there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was relentless, relentless in my uh, self-education uh, about the programs. That's perfect. But, um, yeah, it really boiled down to industry okay. and geography. I know for other folks, um, if you're if you're a little more unclear about yeah. what it is that you're doing, you might end up opting for the highest rankings. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I had a decently defined um, scope of what I was looking for. Yeah, and that's one of the things I, 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 I mentioned when I, in the article I wrote actually about my experience too, of yeah. like, how do you choose a program? Because the mm-hmm. first step is, you know, I want an MBA, let's just say. I yes. want to go back to school for something. Yes. And what program? What, like you mentioned, you knew the industry you wanted to get into. Yeah. You kind of decided that way like that's great yeah. and some people will tell you i think a lot of people will give you advice of like no go to the best program whatever mm-hmm. just go to the best program whatever but you in my opinion it's like yeah. what do you actually want to do yeah what's your what what is this 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 mba leading to next what is yeah. any graduate program leading to next mm-hmm. and then you structure it that way so that yeah. makes perfect no, sense i that you I, did that. I agree and you know what i think every school kind of has their own identity and you you gather that as you visit schools especially in person so different schools oftentimes have different focuses so for example what's the harvard of marketing maybe northwestern maybe northwestern exactly (laughs) so when you think marketing you think northwestern sure and so depending on what it is you want to do you might want to look at well what is the school's focus what is the school's specialty yeah you start looking at um the backgrounds of the star-studded faculty and so you know, in, in, in my in my vetting of entertainment programs, I was looking at who the professors were for the entertainment courses that I myself was going to be taking um, after I after I applied, and so um, that was really one of my biggest sets of criteria. Who am I going to be taking classes with? Right, who are these people? Who are these people? <laughs> and also, as an industry switcher, um, if you know what industry you're looking into, does the school have a track that's tailored toward what it is you want to do. So if you want to go into entrepreneurship, right. is there a venture accelerator in your program? If you want to get into uh, management consulting or banking, most top business schools will have that track. Yeah, but course. for me, entertainment, yeah. only a few uh, schools actually had an entertainment management track. Yeah. And so that's what I looked for. With experience and they can really back for you, like vouch for you in terms of that industry. Like, oh, absolutely. Those, school, those schools that you looked at, obviously you did your homework. Anyone could probably think, oh, Los Angeles, there's probably yeah. entertainment stuff. New York City, yeah, yeah. probably entertainment stuff, you know, yeah. media and, and everything. And honestly, you know, think about where it is you want to live after business school too. Yeah. Um, so when, you, when you think about business school and, and, you know, a really large component of it being networking, yeah. well, where are you going to be having your coffee chats? So if you think you're going to be targeting an industry in, say, Los Angeles, yeah. but you're going to school in Chicago, yeah. those coffee chats all of a sudden become a little bit more difficult. Whereas for myself, I was able to intern um, at a few entertainment companies, sometimes even walking distance from where I live. Yeah, that's nice. 
So, you know, think about where it is your your, your to the, company targets to are. The, to that point, I just have to say, so sure. I applied to like five or six schools in round one, and then I ended up applying to more schools, heard about the consortium in round two. And yeah. it's funny because looking through schools and you see like going back to the rankings, if you don't know any better, you're looking at rankings, you're seeing yeah. all these top schools. But one of the schools I had to just mention, like, it's it's a highly rated school. It's Dartmouth. It's yeah. a highly rated school, and it's a great, amazing school, like a yeah. great reputation, all that. But you look at the city it's actually in. Mm-hmm. Do you want that smallish town feel? Do you want that, like, you're away from everything? Like, mm-hmm. the tight-knit community, I'm sure. Yes. But that was something where I had to really check my ego because at first I was like, oh, I can I can apply here because it's a top school. Why, why don't I apply there? And I'm like, yeah. would I actually go there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very very valid point. Uh, yeah. I, I I interviewed <laughs> at Dartmouth as well. Um, that was that was the one school where it didn't necessarily have my industry focus. Yeah, yeah. But it's a very enamoring school. So sure. Um, honestly, the deciding factor was when I was driving from New York um, and on my way to my my interview in New Hampshire. Um, my car almost started skidding off the road, and you know, I, I kind of had a <laughs> had to snap back to reality and say, you know what, maybe this this wasn't the best decision. Granted, I actually loved um, every single one of Dar- Dartmouth's uh, presentations yeah. from the faculty, from the alumni. Amazing school, um, an amazing school. But again, um, think think long and hard about. Um, your travel situation, especially as you're going to be interviewing sure. um, that upcoming uh, summer for your for your summer internships, yep. and then ultimately for full time. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, when choosing a school, you especially this is 2018 currently as recording this, but you can talk to people through LinkedIn, through anything. You can reach out to anyone and talk to someone, so you can get a real perspective of okay, what's it actually like to be there. Like yeah. you could reach out to one of those students yep. who's in the program, talk to them at any school you really want to, and get a feel for it. Yeah, you can read articles online, but you can mm-hmm. literally just talk to someone Absolutely. and reach out. I Absolutely. mean, that's, that's like that's how we met. That's how we know each other. Yeah. I just reached out. And like that's that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing tool that people should do more of in everything, not just going to business school, but if they have mm-hmm. a question about any career at all, reach out to someone. Like, yeah, and I think you're uniquely sense. talented in that in that <laughs> sense. Uh, I think a lot of us would definitely agree with the value. Yeah. Um, but again, we just don't necessarily utilize the tools at our sure. fingertips. So I, I think if you tout that enough, yeah. um, I, hopefully the listeners uh, recognize the value. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people just don't necessarily utilize what's right in front of them, myself included. Yeah, I, no, I, I could be I better it. at that. No, there's just, yeah. there's <laughs> other stuff to do, and I get it. It's just one of those things. Everyone has their different talent, their different skill set, and all that. So, yeah. But going back to that, your MBA program, you're kind of a you're, you're process of applying to everything. Yeah. And you knew the schools. You had an idea of that. Yep. You, what was the inter- what were the interviews like for you, or how did you prep for that? I'm going through all the, all the details. Uh, oh, yeah. Wants to know. I'm just Ab- curious. Absolutely. Um, you know what? I've always prided myself on my ability to wing it yeah. in interviews, and I wouldn't necessarily say that's the best way to <laughs> go about things. So I, I've had classmates who have pages and pages of responses listed out so when somebody asks what are your three strengths and three weaknesses yeah oh they already know that sure for me it varies by the day so you ask me that question today it's going to be different than my than my uh, answer tomorrow it is funny how my strengths always perfectly mitigate my weaknesses though (laughs) that's one thing that remains constant um Mm. you know but 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 in all seriousness the way that i prepped was mostly in terms of my story Okay. So I think everybody needs to step back and recognize what their biggest uphill challenge will be sure. in explaining why business school. 
And so I knew for me personally, my biggest challenge was going to be explaining how and why I'm a valuable asset going from management consulting in the financial services industry right. and trying to parlay that experience into um, entertainment. And at the, t- at the time, um, I was looking specifically at record labels. And so I needed to, to personally uh, pay special attention to my story. Um, what steps was I taking to actually get entertainment experience? Was I genuine in terms of looking at entertainment as my next career option? Um, so that's what I needed to uh, pay special attention to. Yeah, I think other folks need to shore up other other parts of their story. So you know, for example, if you're a teacher and you want to get into um, something a little bit more quantitative, then you might need to start expressing how you excel in certain corporate settings or the fact that you've taken some quantitative courses. I already had that checked off. For yeah. me, it was more about story. Right. So that was really the bulk of my prep. So that helped. What the heck am I doing trying to get into entertainment? And what is it that I know? So I would get grilled on industry questions. Yeah. So I'm this former um, you know, financial services guy while I'm interviewing with with uh, MBA alumni who are working in the industry, so they want to know if I actually know about current events, current news, current topics, the inner workings of the companies, have I actually cracked open the uh, the financial statements and and the uh, the annual reports? That's what I was getting grilled on. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, man, that's one of the things too. It was a great point of your story. Um, I remember kind of my prep too with that was like even talking to some of these people. So uh, you know. I, to we said before, I reach yeah. out LinkedIn to lots of different people, so I have an idea of what I was getting myself into and that sort of thing. And one of the people was actually at UCLA, mm-hmm. um, Gary Frazier. You may have, you may know him. He's in a career the uh, career services, I believe, or yep. something for MBA program. But he was saying like, yeah, you should have a clear like idea of how you're presenting yourself, how you're yep. marketing yourself, exactly when you're going to these schools, which is very important. Yeah. If you're not even if you're not sure exactly where you're going to afterwards, yes. you have to still present something of like what. Oh, absolutely, do, absolutely. I, I think uh, I think it's important to have a personal brand yeah. that you're looking to convey. And so, my biggest piece of advice for people even interviewing for Caesars, um, you know, I, I I get contacted by yeah. by uh, candidates looking to get into the uh, the post MBA program that I'm in. My biggest piece of advice is is uh, I actually ask them, coming out of your interview, if the interviewer had to describe you in two or three words after after you leave and they say oh justin he's the blank 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 guy did you leave enough of an impression to actually give them that clear-cut answer yeah and so you need to really think about what you want to leave on the interviewer because when they're stack they're stack ranking their resumes and their applications if they don't have a clear sense of your identity, well, you're screwed because everybody's smarter than <laughs> yeah, <you're> you. <laughs> Everybody has a cooler resume than you. Um, you know, you're you're going up against you know the top even like international talent. Right. It's so not just the United it's States. It's not just the stuff. United States. And so, if you don't have a clear personal brand identity, yeah, then you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So I made sure going into all of my interviews, they knew that I was the creative, quantitative yep. entertainment guy. So as many times I could drop the, the, the words creative and quantitative, all of a sudden in their heads, they're automatically checking off, he's, he's corporate, 
he's quantitatively sound, and he's creative. Because remember, I'm trying to switch. Right, you're so, a career switcher. Exactly. And then entertainment. They they know exactly what I'm shooting for. So that's that quantitative entertainment guy. Yeah. It's Boom. A clear, clear. There he is. There's Eddie. That's yeah. Okay, that makes so that so makes have a have sense. a have a good personal brand. Right. Two or three words that you'd like the interviewer to associate and with you. And obviously, it worked. Because you, you got into the school you wanted to get into, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you went to UCLA, so that was like, boom, it worked. Like Exactly. So it, it we're worked. We're not just, not then, just blowing steam here, people saying, like, <laughs> theoretical, yeah, I did this, but then I didn't get in any schools. Like, yeah. you actually got into the school with crafting that story, focusing on that solely. I mean, you say you winged it, but really, you did a great job prepping with yeah. what you knew you needed to prep with. Yes, I mean, I, I may have embellished the, the yeah, whole yeah, yeah. winged it thing. I think if you, if you have a good high-level trajectory – and you know what you're shooting for, yeah. then you fill in the blanks okay. um, during the interview. So I didn't have a script, but I knew exactly uh, what I was trying to convey, and I could tailor my answers uh, to any question they would they, they would send my way. Sure. Now, let's jump into your act school. So I, actually, sure. in, in the MBA program. So this, the process of applying is long. It's a yep. lot of work. Um, you, know, you go through GMAT hell, you go through mm-hmm. all this other stuff, you apply <laughs> to schools, you choose schools. I've you locked it out. You have all these other things you're going through, but you're actually at UCLA. You get there, like what the first weeks? What you know, drinking from a fire hose. What is it like? Yep. Man, what? Yeah. Describe it. Uh, drinking beer from a fire hose. <laughs> that's that's accurate. It's called uh, Anderson Afternoons oh, uh, at UCLA, gosh. also known as AA. Okay. Um, <laughs> so well yeah, well you know, played. you know, honestly, it's it's a bunch of really smart adults. Yeah. Who are getting a do over for college? Exactly. That's a good point. I loved it. Um, you're going back to college with a completely new mindset and appreciation that you didn't have during your undergrad years. Sure. So I actually love the academic college environment. Um, the only difference is the MBA has a dual focus. There's an academic component, but there's only one reason why every single person is there. Yeah. It's to get their dream job afterward. So there's a very, very heavy professional focus as well yeah. so it's almost as if you're you're a student of two schools sure you're you're taking you know theoretical econ but then you're also taking um you know really practical um empirical industry classes so you're working with second years and and getting the rundown of an industry that you might be unfamiliar with but you're trying to get a job in yeah so it's almost as if you have two student lives and then there's also this massive social component. Oh, yeah, there's people there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, there's there's people there. <laughs> there's cool people that there's, you want to hang out with. There's awesome people there. And, you know, depending on what school you go to, um, you know, they might also be somewhat academically competitive, too. Oh, wow. And so... And a top MBA program? I would yeah, never have guessed it, Go man. figure. So, you know, that was probably, like, one of the biggest surprises. Uh, and, and maybe I was... You know, I think I might have been one year older than the average okay. uh, student. Um, just just one year. Yeah, uh, not bad. But honestly, that one extra year, you know, it it kind of made me a little bit more attuned to what's important in the real world. And conversely, well, I don't think learning calculus for for uh, you know this economics class is necessarily practical. Sure. Now I have a little bit more of a you know a chip on my shoulder you know about you know using my time in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. So so that was you know that was one that was one aspect of business school that um, 
you know, was, was a little bit more of a surprise to me. It was very academic, and of granted, I, I graduated with a very high GPA, but it took it took a lot of work. It yeah. took a lot of work. Uh, but everyone, everyone who goes into an MBA program or a graduate program, okay, especially an MBA program, yeah. they know the work. Everyone talks yeah. about the work. Everyone yeah. knows those first months how crazy. Like, mm-hmm. like no one's going into it thinking, this is going to be super easy. Yeah. And the type of people who go into it anyways – they wouldn't really want that because they're not getting yeah. money's worth. You don't spend a hundred some thousand dollars yeah. in per se for an average person to go to a top MBA program and think it's going to be a cakewalk. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you you can say that as much as you want before you enter the program. Yeah. But frankly, uh, so UCLA was on the quarter system. The first quarter was probably the hardest side worked in a very very long long time sure. because it's not only the academic coursework, it was also the uh, the career prep. And so, you know, for myself, trying to learn a completely new industry and become fluent in the terminology, the news, the players, um, the companies, who are the who are the top dogs in each company. So, you know, these people by name. That's that's a lot of work. That's a lot. That's a that's a job in itself. Um, So uh, like anybody thinking about the MBA, your your first semester is going to be crazy yeah. hands down there there's no way around that you're gonna work your butt off yeah and back to that point like you kind of mentioned like there's there's the learning learning things in the mba program itself yep. then you're setting yourself up for the career yes so you are doing the career side of things as well yep. for you i think you mentioned i think you mentioned to me before we met last time um how you did multiple internships yeah, not just not just the summer internship, which yes. everyone knows about, goes to the mm-hmm. MBA program. But you did multiple ones. What yeah. was your thought process with that? How did yeah, you approach yeah. that? Um, yeah. So the way that I approached uh, the internship, so I ended up doing three internships while I was in school. Uh, I had my summer internship after year one. Okay. And I had two um, internships during my second year, during the school year. Okay. And so I knew for myself that I needed to get as many big name entertainment companies on my resume as possible. Yeah. And so my first foray uh, into the into the internship game over the summer was with an entertainment tech company uh, called Sonify Solutions. Um, they, they do all the in-room entertainment at all the major hotels in the United States. And so they actually license content from the major um, the major film houses. Okay. So I was actually able to take that experience and get a fall internship at Paramount. So I worked at Paramount Not during bad. the fall of my second year. And then from there, I, I wanted to explore um, television networks. And so I actually ended up working at Discovery Communications in the spring. Okay. And so three internships under the belt, I finally had some recognizable entertainment names. And it was with that that I finally personally felt validated as hey i'm entertainment eddie three it was three enough eddie i mean uh, four five you know. <laughs> <laughs> like i would have interned more <laughs> yeah and, and you know what it was it was difficult because um i turned i actually turned down an offer at a at a, at a television network in new york oh, wow. that i had gotten um when i interviewed during the winter and then i couldn't score an interview for a very long period of time so granted the internship um, acquisition process is yeah. never a given. True. You're going to be stressed out, or a lot of folks are going to be stressed out. You're yeah. you're interviewing for your summer internship. For some, right down to the wire. I, I got my my summer internship the week, the last week of class. But from talking to people in admit weekend at USC, which is back in April for me, they said entertainment is later than most. Yeah. Most. So for for actually knowing what you're going to do, entertainment yeah. is later. So if you're in an MBA that's program fair. and you're starting. 
you're doing management consulting, you need to get that figured out ASAP because that's yeah, happening they're, soon. They're much more structured. Correct. Yeah. Entertainment, a lot later. So that makes yep. sense. Yeah, but, yeah. So it's a little bit more uh, just in time yeah. uh, on the entertainment side, and that will vary by, by industry. Yeah, so you pretty much yeah. late in the game, you knew where you are going for your internship. Very late in the game, very stressed well, out I was going to say, which game. means you have all the yes. time to think about it the whole first year leading up to that yeah. because you don't know where you're going yet. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, again, the MBA, I think it's similar to consulting. You'll learn to have thick skin. Maybe your yeah. plan A won't pan out. Um, like I said, I was originally interested in record labels. Yeah. I interviewed at uh, a few major record labels, one in Santa Monica, one in New York City, and didn't get a bite. All of a sudden, yeah. my music focus was finished. And so Shoot. I had to completely pivot and cast a much broader net. And, I mean, you could kind of see based on my resume, I ended up at a film studio right. and a television network. Yeah. Um, so your plan A won't necessarily pan out. Yeah. And that's just part of the MBA process as well. So you, okay, you, you applied to those mu- music internships. That's yep. what you wanted initially. Yes. When you got rejected, you didn't get into those. Did, why the switch? Were you thinking like, you know, maybe I'll do other music ones? Mm-hmm. You switched to obviously you know, film, television. Like, why the switch? Yeah. That? Um, so that's when you have to ask yourself, you know, do I have a stomach and the strong hands to hold out for the dream internship yeah, sure. or should I cast a slightly wider net? Yeah. And for me, I've always been a little bit of a risk taker. And I think as you get older, you start appreciating the fact that you don't know what you don't know. And so I was very open to putting myself out there and saying, let me explore another industry because who knows? I've never worked at an entertainment company maybe I'll really enjoy being at at a major film studio. Maybe I will, and, and let me yeah. tell you, working at Paramount was awesome. Every day I'd, I'd walk by, there would be something new in the studio lot. I, you know, I, I see people on jet skis, or I see <laughs> Maximus Prime on the lot. Um, and that was just everyday life at the, at the film Here's studio. Here's a Tuesday. <laughs> and so, I, but I never would have been exposed to that if I had kept a very narrow vision. And, and frankly, a lot of getting internships it's just as much about finding what you like, but also it's learning about what you don't like. Right, because you don't actually know unless you're in it. Exactly. You've been exactly. It, per se. You so, talk to people, but yeah. honestly, some of the most important lessons that you can learn are, are really what you don't like. Yeah, and, and to that point, even, though, even if you're in, whether it's an internship, whether it's a job, and you go into it and like the internship, I don't know, summer internships, three months, the other ones could be longer, whatever, mm-hmm. but that's three months, then you'll know. Yeah. You know, yeah. versus like debating your whole life about exactly. what you could have done. Like, exactly. It's, it's, an, it. it's an awesome trial period. It's yeah. an awesome trial period. And I would highly recommend um, getting as many um, internships as, as possible. Yeah. So I remember um, Enon Krez, he, he's a UCLA Anderson alumni, went off. Uh, he really built out uh, the Fox network in, in Europe, went over um, to a large number of uh, tech and entertainment media companies in in uh, Los Angeles, and he had five internships. Five during his MBA. Five program? internships during his MBA program, and so when I heard oh. that, um, that's when I started realizing that you know what, you really have to treat the MBA as kind of that trial period. Yeah. It, it's it, because you're never going to be in a situation in your life ever again where you can test drive a job for three months, yeah. and it's totally fine it's if normal. you don't go back. That's a good point. 
Yeah. That's a very unique – it's a unique spot to be in. That It gives you that opportunity, which, like you said, you're never going to have that again. Like, yep. what are you going to do, go back to an MBA again then? <laughs> like, theoretically, I've seen applications like, have you have you been in an MBA program before? So, theoretically, people have done that. Yep. But, like, that's – I mean, I'm assuming that's really rare. But – to have those three months of the summer, to have the other time while you're still a student, while you're still an M- MBA, and the companies understand that, yeah, you're just trying to get experience. Yes. That's su- that is such a unique thing. I, but how many of your classmates do, that did like multiple internships? Because I imagine a bunch would just do the summer. Um, yeah. So maybe y- industry. And, and it, too. you know, it's a it's a good question because it will vary. Yeah. By school, and also it will vary by what it is you want to do. Um, for entertainment. Being at UCLA, all of the major um, film studios are either in Culver City or Burbank. Uh, Paramount was the only studio that still had a studio lot in Hollywood. Um, but just by virtue of the location, we could actually have um, very legitimate internships down the street from down down the street from where we lived and and went to school. Yeah, um, that's crazy. And so, personally, I chose to do the. Uh, you know, the, the internship during the school year, but it was honestly just by virtue of where we were located. Yeah. So a good number of, uh, of uh, UCLA Anderson students took advantage of, of the fact that we have these really cool entertainment uh, companies down the street. Sure. If you're perhaps at a school um, in New Hampshire, maybe the options are a little bit more limited. Possibly. But But you know what? You, you work with the tools that you have right in right. front of you. Right, you make the most of whatever situation yeah. you're in. Exactly. But, Exactly. I mean, also with that, I mean, going in MBA programs, like you may not get into the school you want to get into, mm. but then again, when those options, there's different stuff with that. So it's yeah. all sort of thing. The academic kind of course load. So the initial semester, crazy, ridiculous. Yeah. How does that evolve? I will say, so when I went to um, an event, a pre kind of MBA event at Stanford, I remember one of the guys saying like, you know, after that first year or whatever, it was like coasting in terms of academics. We think that's relatively accurate not coasting but you know it's yeah. different yeah it, it's that... definitely different uh you know the first the first uh, semester or, or or two uh they're going to be a little bit more academic um honestly take the courses for what they're worth a lot of the courses um i personally didn't necessarily get as much value out of either because you know i was a finance major in undergrad yeah um or they're really not going to heavily apply you know, not to diminish, yeah, you know, yeah. operations sure. or, or um, you know, economics. They, they're just not going to heavily apply to, you know, what it is I'm, I'm doing in life. Yeah. But, you know, there some courses will surprise you depending on the professor or actually the course material. For example, a lot, a lot of my classmates, we loved statistics. In fact, I was actually using statistical tools um, outside the classroom in some of my internships. So, so go into every core class with an open mind. Yeah. Um, but honestly, once you get those classes out of the way, that's when you start um, matriculating into whatever it is that you went to business school for. Sure. And that's when you can actually start exploring your, your interests. And naturally, if you're interested in something, you're probably going to work a little bit harder at it. And yeah. so that's that's the case for, for a lot of folks. Um, you know, you're taking these classes because they're helping you achieve your goal of, getting your dream job. Right, which is like one of the things like I've mentioned repeatedly, you're going to work 80,000 to 90,000 hours in your life, roughly, average adult. That's what, how, much, mm-hmm. how many hours to work. It is so important. That's why I even focusing on like careers for me is like 
because of that fact of how many hours you spend working and yeah. an opportunity to get your dream job yep where you're you're priceless. paid well you have everything priceless. you want it's priceless exactly it doesn't mm-hmm. matter the commitment of money the time whatever yeah. if you're in that spot you have what you want that that's perfect that's what yeah. you're supposed to do right exactly in your in your mba i'm just curious with like ucla itself whether did you join lots of like clubs student organizations did mm-hmm. you get involved that way did you take advantage of that like yeah what was that like yeah, yeah. So every every uh, university is going to have a good number of clubs. I mean, the people who get their MBAs are obviously passionate about doing stuff. Right. They're passionate about the industries Action. that they're interested in. Um, these are folks who have star-studded backgrounds. So you're going to get a lot of passion there. And mind you, you're also kind of there not because you're getting a, a, a graduate research degree. Sure trying to have a good time too. Uh, there's definitely so, an aspect of that. So there's passion and there's an appreciation for the fact that, you know, you probably, you might've worked for five or six years and hey, this is this is your breather. So um, I partook in um, the Latin American Business Association. I was in the uh, the craft beer club. Oh, perfect. Uh, you know, one of, one of my favorite clubs, the Entrepreneur Association, the Marketing Association. Um, and so here's one piece of advice <laughs> there, in tr- you know, in terms of, Involvement. Yeah. People think that getting a leadership position in these clubs is important. It's not half as important as you think. Okay. If you're in the Entertainment Management Association, which I was in, um, you know, I was heartbroken when the one other super music guy got the music liaison role. And so <laughs> I was lost identity-wise. Like, like, damn it. But, but it turns out I was able to get all my entertainment internships without having a board position in the entertainment management association but i had a i was the finance chair in the marketing association my advice to you is don't get a leadership role unless you're a president okay don't do it otherwise you're just burdening yourself with so president or bust basically president president or bust (laughs) there's really no reason for you to to have an administrative burden you're still going to be friends with everyone in the club yeah except the the uh you know the the finance chair is gonna have extra work to do on Saturday right. after you have the to do event some extra things for having the finance chair position title whatever exactly okay, so so I'm gonna debunk that myth the importance of having a chair okay. position um and and honestly the last thing I would I would touch on in terms of involvement um you know it's, this isn't necessarily for everyone uh, being a teacher's assistant teaching ah, assistant okay um so one of the most important things about business school is obviously networking yeah with your peers with the second years with the alumni but also you have some really cool um faculty who a lot of them are actually industry practitioners and so my favorite professor um taught my entrepreneurship and venture initiation class my first year i ended up taing um all three of his classes the following year so i did the entrepreneurship and venture initiation class i did the managing um entrepreneurial operations and entertainment strategy so this guy was a former uh, McKinsey partner also a lawyer um, and now he has his own consulting firm and so he was somebody that I absolutely emulated oh yeah Um, for sure he was one of those really big personality professors and I had the thick skin to uh to deal with him (laughs) um so I had a great relationship with this professor and and I'd encourage you know anybody and everybody you know looking at at business school to be a teaching assistant if you find somebody that you think is actually worth 
that time. Exactly. So it's an extra time commitment for yeah. you. So Yeah, because it's, you know, you know, the mindset in, in business school, you know, it's it's okay to be nerdy. Whereas in undergrad, there might be some stigma attached to that. Here, again, it's about getting your dream job. And if yeah. you've aligned yourself to one of the top professors in, in school, you're fine. Yeah. Um, and so that actually, you know, boosts your social stature to a certain degree. Sure. Um, maybe not. But, but um, yeah, that's one it other hurt layer of involvement that, that I would recommend if it's for you. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So you've done that. So you did a couple of different things, plus internships. Yeah. Anything else during your MBA experience that we haven't talked about before we kind of move on to your current position? Lastly, the, the fun piece, go on the trips. The trips. What do, did you do for your trips? Do the ski trip. Um, that was honestly my favorite trip. I also went to Sundance two ah, years in a row. Ah, fun. Um, and then there are usually um, destination spring break trips. Okay. Do the trips. Sure. Um, ours were, uh, we had the choice between Israel and Japan. Um for, for the spring break trips. But honestly, you will build the tightest relationships with folks in your class on those trips, yeah. especially your very first, um, you know, post first semester. Uh, it's usually a, a ski trip when everybody's blowing off steam. <laughs> it's, you know, you're, you're, you're shaking off the, uh, the new student jitters. Right. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So um, I'm, I'm just going to say you absolutely need to <laughs> do the trips. Go on the trips. Max out your credit card if you have to. Hashtag no regrets. Right. I mean, especially because after the NBA, you're going to be making good money. Yeah. Like 90% of people. You'll be fine. Go nonprofit. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Right. You're going to be okay. So it's like you don't yeah. have to worry about that. Go on the trips. Enjoy yourself during that. And, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Transitioning into your role, your current role, one, like, how did you get that role? Like, what were yep. you thinking? What were you thinking you know, as you got to the end, kind of, of your of your MBA? You're thinking of what is the actual job I'm going to land? I'm going for. Take me through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way that I landed this role, it was, you know, it really boiled down to me just kind of rolling the dice and and uh, pulling the trigger on something that honestly I wasn't 100% sure of. Ah. So the way that I got here was um, I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Through my series of internships, I realized that while um, the f- working at a film studio and working at a television network, it was more interesting than working at a bank, um, they still felt very corporate to me. And from a subject matter standpoint, it wasn't necessarily me at my core. And I knew that. Um, still at my core, I was very interested in live entertainment music. And so... Caesars Entertainment um, here in Vegas, uh, two alumni who worked there came out and pitched this management rotational program called the President's Associates Program, where over the course of two years, you go through three rotations, both on the corporate side and property operations. And then coming out of that, um, you will define a director level role in the company. Okay. It's kind of a choose your own adventure. That's crazy. Um, And so as they pitched what the rotational program was. Number one, I used to be a management consultant, and so that's kind of a rotational de facto. Um, So I already was in a rotational for five years, and frankly, I loved it. Yeah. I I, I don't like having a day job. It's not in my personality. I get bored. I get bored very easily. Um, Second, the subject matter. So at Caesars Entertainment, um, the products that I'd be working with would be ranging from live entertainment. So Caesars um, is 
the third largest promoter of live entertainment in the nation after Live Nation and AEG. AEG, yep. I love concerts. That's It's just me. I might be unique. I love live entertainment. I love going to shows. <laughs> There's a couple people. And, and, well. You know, I'm maybe a couple them. people uh, <laughs> uh, share, share that sentiment. So this is part of the company. Yeah. There's food and beverage, bars and lounges, fine dining. That's actually the rotation that I'm in right now. I'm working in food and beverage uh, at Caesars Palace after I worked in the entertainment group. Um, there are also other other divisions, obviously uh, hospitality, gaming, uh, corporate analytics, um, property finance. Um, there's legal. There's literally anything and everything that you could think of. And I couldn't think of a cooler company yeah. that encompassed so many different industries for, for me to, you know, really get my, my uh, foot in the door in terms yeah. of uh, my first full-time job in the entertainment space, but really it's bigger than entertainment. It's a lot of different things. I mean, yeah. you said you're in food and beverage right now, so it yep. really has, they have a, they're touching all different industries, but also all things that you're kind of interested anyways, interested in anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Perfect almost. So, so that's, you know, that's kind of how I landed on, on the role. And I was honest with myself. I didn't quite have my professional identity hammered out yet. Okay. And so I didn't necessarily want to be in a role where, um, you know, if I took a role in strategy at a film studio, well, I'm I'm pretty well defined. I I'm now film and television media guy. Yeah, that's that's my that's my always that's my define brand. the guy you, you know? are personal brand so, right. So with this particular role, it was a lot more flexible, and that's really what I what I needed. Maybe I just have a commitment issue, um, <laughs> but I saw this as like it's almost like getting a, a second MBA in the real world yeah. because now I'm working on actual uh, projects that this company has. That's perfect. We're, we're, were you looking at other places though coming out of the NBA? Like, yeah, what, so like, what else were you considering? Yeah, oh, I, I was considering anything and everything, and okay. so um, you know, as as you guys start realizing as you enter the NBA program, Plan A might not pan out. Sure, that's when you start casting a very wide net. So by you know by the time I actually accepted my offer at Caesars, you know I had my recruiting folders on my computer segmented by industry there was hospitality there was music there was film there was television and i had five to ten applications that i had put out uh in each bucket love it and so it wasn't very tailored in terms of how i was uh you know looking for my full-time role but you have to cast a wide net yeah i mean especially you're if you have more options, you're, there's more options that you can find the best thing that's going to be for you. Yeah. And so, especially in that situation, what is it going to take more time to apply to more places? Like, and that's what you're there for, anyways. So it makes perfect sense that why why wouldn't you yeah. just like apply to more places and like have more options, especially exactly. if you're not exactly sure what that's going to be. Yeah. If you are sure, like one, it could be multiple offers. It could be a better yeah. offer. There's so many things with that. It seems yeah. like that, or or it could be one offer that you're not really enthusiastic about, yeah. and then you question maybe I should just hold on and wait, and True. perhaps be unemployed for three to four months after the MBA, yeah. um, and hope that something comes around. So it can be a very uh, nerve-wracking experiences experience, and I have friends who have actually made that decision where they had an offer on the table, rejected it. And they sat on the bench for months after business school, 
waiting for something to develop and you know these are some entertainment folks so maybe it's a little more understood but nothing is guaranteed yeah nothing's yeah. guaranteed just because you have an MBA doesn't mean they don't have a hundred percent job placement at yeah. any school yeah you know it's always there's a lot of a lot of people obviously get jobs right after but not necessarily yeah. if you look at the numbers um that's just from like obviously i'm not in the program yeah but i've done my research because yep. that's what you yeah. have to do uh, and, and, that's, and that's the reality out, you know that's like, the reality never nothing's 100 percent. yeah your current position so you've been in the same company different like spots of the program yeah. essentially what has kind of the day-to-day stuff been like what are some things you're enjoying most about because i mean a lot yeah. of people theoretically who listen to this and are interested in mba that could be one of the routes they go down you know yeah. what is it actually like being there yeah. i have to ask yeah, yeah. So what's life like in a company <laughs> after you have an MBA? Mm-hmm. Number one, having an MBA, and if people know it, they assume you know things and that you're competent. So you're right. essentially given responsibility until you cut it off Right. when you feel like you're getting a little swamped. So within my first couple weeks, so I start off in the entertainment group. And I was working with our national um, VP of ticketing, and we were looking at expanding our our relationship with secondary market brokers, just folks who take your tickets, mark them up, and you get a piece of the upside. Sure. So we were looking at expanding the number of relationships there. Week number two, um, sitting down, having dinner and beers with a couple um, ticketing guys and negotiating what the deal should be. This is week two. Week two in the job for Week you. two in the job. And, and uh, you know, you're really essentially, you know, essentially that illustrates the fact that um, you're going to be delegated um, a lot of responsibility because you're viewed as a management level employee. Sure. You're seen as competent. You're seen as somebody who's professionally polished enough to be the face of the company um, in potential negotiations and visit deals. And you... Essentially, you have to learn how to carry yourself, or hopefully you've learned how to carry yourself with other professionals in right. your two-year um, MBA experience. Sure. So that, for me, has been you know one thing that I think many MBAs uh, share in terms of sentiment. It's the level of responsibility that you're given okay. and the level of expectation in terms of your know-how. You're expected to, to be fluent in, in languages uh, from operations <laughs> to finance. So if you can't speak to a P&L or if you can't speak to how to put together a pro forma, um, you know, you might want to dust off the, uh, the finance books. Yeah. Be- you're expected to be comfortable with numbers. Right. Um, but aside from that, aside from that, sure. um, in my current role, now that I'm in food and beverage, I've been looking heavily at um, our bars and lounges and also at a lot of uh, business development um, opportunities. So, hey how can we better monetize the traffic that comes in? So I'm looking at apps, I'm talking to business owners, um, I'm having walkthroughs of the property with, with folks who have really cool things like uh, digital jukeboxes <laughs> and special programming that can go on televisions um, and also custom furniture makers because maybe this uh, lounge needs a complete revamp. Right. So business development has been um, a big piece of you know, what I personally am looking at. And frankly, I enjoy it. I, I like yeah. building business cases from scratch. Sure. And so you're, you're at Caesars Palace right now, you said, right? Um, yeah. So That's now that property. I'm on the property uh, level uh, rotation, I'm aligned to Caesars Palace. Okay. Um, 
there were four other president's associates in my in my quote unquote class, yeah. if you will, and they're they're uh, scattered at properties across the strip. Okay. And so with that, what is your do you know what your next one is? Or how um, many, your yeah, there 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 are three uh, rotations, or at least that's uh, the design. Um, I do not know what the next one is. Okay. Um, but again, it's kind of a choose your own adventure. Um, sure. I made it. Number one, I made it very clear I was entertainment Eddie, yeah. and that really uh, informed my first rotation. The second rotation was uh, completely random, but I think uh, when HR aligned us to our second rotation, they took into account what we did before. Yeah. And also, like, even, like, before business school, like, what are your skill sets? Yeah. And aligned that to the business need. Okay. So I was forcibly <laughs> aligned to Caesar's Palace, food and beverage. Uh-huh. I'll do it if I have to. Like, okay, fine. Um, but, yeah, the third rotation is a little bit more of a, it's an entrepreneurial endeavor. Okay. And, you know throughout the, the course of this, and, and Justin, you'd be great at this, you're yeah. supposed to be networking sure. throughout the company. Um, it's a In this particular company, networking is encouraged. It's not uh, frowned upon, and you don't have to hide it from your boss. You know, the <laughs> fact that you're having coffee chats with folks in other divisions, right. so that hopefully by the time you have your third rotation, you've developed a rapport with a part of the business that you think you might fit with. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Let's talk about that a little bit with the networking side of it. Sure. What do you think? Wait, one. What are you doing? Um, what do you think you actually need to work on more? I'm just curious mm-hmm. from that perspective because I, I think a lot of people, the networking has such a stigma of like when you mean saying that word networking, people yeah, get, like, yeah. it's like they get like, scared and like turned yeah. off, like you're just not genuine. But when you yeah. are actually genuine and you're just curious, yeah. you're looking for chances to help other people, and so you guys can both kind of yes. benefit. That's the whole point of what yep. networking should be. What are you doing or what do you want to be doing personally? Yeah, yeah. Um, number one, I think I could do a better job just being uh, consistent in terms of uh, putting myself out there and perhaps reaching out to folks in groups that I wouldn't normally talk to. Again, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. And every conversation and every contact matters. Yeah. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of being genuine, not looking for what you know what's in it for me. Right. But how can I help you? Sure. And so sometimes, you know, just sitting down and having a genuine conversation with somebody can lead to, oh, hey, it sounds like you're having a pain point here. I can connect you with, with uh, so-and-so over here. Right. Um, but I could definitely do a better job with that on the piece that I'm actually doing, uh, you know, just by virtue of the rotational and the fact that many of us in this program are industry outsiders, you have to network. Yeah. In fact, in my current rotation in F&B, uh, my, my boss, who heads up all of food and beverage at Caesars Palace, he put together a list of 12 people um, and told me to, hey, go set up meetings, get to know them, and each one of those 12 people might have somebody else for you to talk to. Dang. And so just by nature of the job and you know, due to the fact that I'm new to this, yeah. Um, I, you have to network. It's like you network or you or you sink. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, you need to basically. Yeah. So so honestly, um, I wish I'd just put myself out out there a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But biggest piece of advice: just be nice to anybody and everybody. Um, Never know. In in my role, I work with folks from the general managers of the properties. These are your your top MBA guys. So my my technical boss is the uh, the general manager of Caesar's Palace, Stanford okay. MBA. Super smart guy. Yeah. Um, and I will interact with everyone from him all the way to um, facilities and engineers who are 
you know, working on the ground, installing lighting right. at a bar. So everybody. You're everybody. In contact with everyone. In the- Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. so you need to be humble. Um, you need to be able to talk with folks from every level and just be genuine. Yeah, and uh, kind of what you said, even when you're when applying to MBA programs in the first yeah. place, what is your story? Who are yeah. you? What do you bring to the table? Because yep. if they know that you're quantitative entertainment Eddie, yeah, then like they know when they're talking to you, oh, what you can bring to the table and who they could connect you with. Yeah. Because of the skills you have, oh, they have these skills. Well, then yeah. together you guys yeah, can yeah. swap information and you'll know exactly. about all everything. Exactly. World, you know, no big deal. But yeah, all that stuff. So I think that's important to kind of know what your story is, what you bring to the table. And then when you're having these conversations with people, you can easily be like, yeah, I know about X, Y, Z thing. Yep. And then they, what do you know about? Okay, now you learn what they know about and then you can kind of yeah. collaborate. And then also, to your point, always suggesting other people potentially yes. they, they may know so we have these we have these massive networks now almost everyone yeah. we have massive networks because of online what school you went to city you lived in all these different things that we can draw on to like hook people up connect people with other people it's it's fun it's yeah. exciting and yeah. then once you then once you throw in the online like linkedin and like i mentioned using shaper another app once you throw those in there like it's just limitless on yeah who you can talk to um, so it's just a matter of kind of putting yourself out there. But mm-hmm. want to transition to a few more questions. We're going to transition out of the work side a little bit. I want to know a little bit more about like habits of how you're able to focus, stay successful um, on a day-to-day basis, how you're able to function, all of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What I want to start with, are you a reader? Do you read? Do you listen to podcasts at all? Like, do you, How are you um, learning? Or yeah, are you mostly so, just like on the job type yeah, of stuff? Yeah, so in, you know, in terms of like self-help, sure. no. No, I, 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 I don't. Um, I, I kind of have always kind of danced to the beat of, sure. of a different drum or, or kind of done my own thing in, yeah. in that respect. Um, I've always been a big fan of pursuing whatever intellectual curiosity you personally have. Okay. And so I read a lot about psychology. Like it's just a personal interest and, yeah. uh, and evolutionary psychology psychology and uh genetics and biology i love that space yeah so you asked what do i read Uh, i'm not saying it's even functional for what i do in the workplace sure but it leads to really uh interesting conversations with my my phd buddy from business school who does so happen to have a phd uh in genetics so um yeah and conversations you can have there yeah yeah so so that that's that's one uh for uh hey what can you expect in business school yeah people have crazy backgrounds i mean I had MDs and PhDs in my in my section, and remember, you get graded on a curve. Yeah. Okay. So when, who's setting the curve? That's the exactly. Question. So remember <laughs> when this when this guy has a has a PhD in genetics and he's getting his MBA for uh, fun. Yeah. That's what you're up against. Yeah, you have a PhD already, <laughs> and then you, oh, I, I think I want those other letters. Yeah, too. yeah. Those are cool letters. I'm gonna have those on it, my exactly. name as well. Jesus. Okay. Exactly. So you read it about psychology. That's what you kind yeah. of enjoy. Um, I always said that. I'm always curious about this sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, do you go to, like bed the same time every every day? Mm-hmm. Wake up the same time? Uh, do you go based on how many hours of sleep? Now, that's something because I always struggle yeah. with this as like an entrepreneurial background yeah. of how many hours do you sleep? When do you go to sleep? How do you mm-hmm. manage it? I'm curious, just yeah, from your yeah. perspective. Um, you're probably not gonna like the answer because I think I'm just you know some very very successful people probably have uh, really cool answers to this. No, All I'm my life curious. I've just been a night owl. I you know. My, my natural uh, my natural internal clock is such that I hit my peak at night after yeah. the sun goes down. If I could have my way, I'd wake up at noon every day. Oh, man. Um, that's just how I've been sure. ever since I was a kid. Ever since I was a kid. So um, 
honestly, I go to sleep at varying times. Um, now that I'm past 30, yeah. I find that I can't stay up until 2 a.m. And, <sighs> and be in work the next day on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so midnight, one, very typical. Okay. But um, I, I sometimes pay the price in terms yeah. of uh, productivity in the morning. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of, you know, I, I think this is probably leading into productivity. Um, I think that if you know yourself, at least I do, I'm very introspective. I know that my energy levels come in peaks and valleys. Yeah. And so, uh, I hope no one from Caesars is listening. I might go, go a day and really not get too much accomplished. Yeah. Everyone has that though. But I might also have a day where, um, I'm flooded with, with, uh, you know, ideas. I'm an idea guy. Yeah. Um, remember I'm creatively quantitative. That's right. And so that's why I love business development. Uh, I get to create business cases, but my creativity comes in ebbs and flows. Sure. And so um, today I was just hit with a wave of inspiration and I started, you know, creating like an industry uh, map of our our competitors' uh, food and beverage portfolios. I'm talking about portfolio-wide on their properties. Yeah. And I'm mapping that out and I'm looking for gaps and I'm seeing what we're doing. And I can't say that every day is this, this, uh, you know, productive but i i get waves of energy and when you get inspiration i attack it because i know it's not promised for tomorrow sure so so i brought my computer home tonight because i'm still i'm still on that uh i'm still on that inspirational right high. yeah oh, man that, so even with that so you make, there's always highs and lows everyone hasn't yeah. the work day i just heard a podcast actually talking about the the physiological highs and lows you get, like yeah. in terms of later in the day, like you're just not going to be the same type of thinking. Sure. Like there's that. But how do you how do you deal with the stresses of work? Like how do you manage it? Some people you know, may blow off steam, go to the bar, whatever. Mm-hmm. Some people may mm-hmm. go work out. I'm just curious from your perspective because a lot of yeah, people yeah. listening are going to be like high performers or people who are mm-hmm. very ambitious and driven. Yeah. You know, there's going to be lows ultimately mm-hmm. and stress. Mm-hmm. Like how do you deal with it? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think you know as you as you get older you stop trying to fight things sure. and you start realizing that, you know, how can I just harness the reality and peak the peaks mm-hmm. and not try to fight the low point? It's like, don't, it's, you know, like an investment philosophy, don't throw uh, good money after a bad idea. If this, if you're sinking, don't spend an extra hour in the office. Sure. Just don't do it, but peak the peaks. So if you feel like you're, you know, on a, on a wave of inspiration, don't stop. Yeah, keep you going. Know? Yeah, because you got to ride the ride the wave essentially. Is what exactly. You're saying. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's tough because you never know, you know, what will stress you out or like what how much work you'll have. And, yeah. You know, I mean, the, in terms so, of you know, uh, you tough. know, in terms of stress, um, I think be honest with yourself when you when you've kind of hit that threshold where you're not going to be productive, stop working. That will. So I, I find that you could actually increase your stress levels by staying in front of your computer. Mm-hmm. And trying to eke out one last iota of productivity when you're mentally not there, that will stress you out. Sure. That will stress you out. So what might take you five minutes could take you an hour when you're in your, you know, your, your low point. Right. Um, so acknowledge it and leave. However, sometimes you can't do that. Um, and honestly, I'm a huge uh, fan of pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Justin, you're you're a writer, and so deadlines are a writer's best friend. Yeah. If you have a hard stop, the stress is actually something that you know you can channel into getting the work product yeah completed. 
And so sure. honestly, acknowledge that stress is going to be a part of every deliverable. Everybody's going to get stressed out when you have that big presentation um, coming up. But channel that stress into an aggressive productivity to get stuff done, mm-hmm. and I think you're fine. You're, you're never going to be stress-free. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You so, don't want to be stress-free. If you're stress-free, yeah. you're not like doing things that are pushing yeah, you enough, right? Exactly. You need some pressure. Two more things I'm kind of curious about. One would be, what do you think makes up a great career? Like, what do you think are the components? For, obviously, you're looking at it from your perspective, like yeah. what you think. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm curious as to what makes up a good career, a great career for you. Yeah, that's a – I mean – that's a loaded question, and it probably the answer to that probably changes oh, I'm as sure, you I'm sure it changes. as you get older. Um, you know, a, a few things that come to mind uh, to me: learning is a big one. Okay. Um, you know, I I think about how much I learned in college, and then how much I learned as a management consultant. Just how much, like you know, not not necessarily like technical learning, like oh, I learned about a particular subject matter, but how much you learn about yourself yeah, um, and really pushing yourself and stretching yourself. It could be, you know, intellectually, it could be geographically, you go to a new place. Um, I think, you know, one of the hallmarks of a good career is how much you've learned and do you still have that exponential level of learning that you did when you were an undergrad yeah. that you do in whatever, you know, field you're going into because if you're not learning, to me, you're stagnating. And once, you know, my biggest fear is, having a stagnant life because honestly if you can't differentiate what you did last year from what you did this year I don't think you grew enough and so a hallmark of a good career to me is one that puts me in a position to constantly be changing moving and learning yeah um I think that's that's uh very important and also I think many millennials will relate to this one um are you being true to yourself and so I think finding personal meaning in your job is very important. So, for example, if you asked a lot of people who maybe have families, they might err on the side of saying, you know what, money is ultimately the most important thing and stability. Sure. Um, For me personally, I think that it's a waste of a mind to have it do something that it's not really passionate about for the sake of money. And, And that's why I always cringe when I see like the chemical engineers go off into investment banking because these people should be out uh, creating, inventing. Yeah, brand new They're things. They're working on financial models. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, while I could have stayed in management consulting um, and had you know, a very well, very highly paying job, sure. I made the decision to pivot into entertainment because personally, I think it's a lot more exciting and I get, and I get a lot more gratification out of it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's like, what do you want your life to be? What yes. do you want out of your life? And if you look at it, if, if it was just about money, it's a whole different mindset. And not to say, not to knock anyone that does that, because yeah. that, that, you know, if you spend your time, those eight hours or 10 hours, whatever it is working, and you get money and that gives you the things you really want mm-hmm. that you think you really, really want, then great, yeah. great. But at the same time, we all have a limited amount of time. Exactly. And what Life is finite. Life right. is finite, and the older you get, the more you grapple with that idea right. of mortality. Like, exactly. How do you want to actually spend your time? Maybe yes. One of those things. All, last question I have is just, do you have any advice for people in their careers or any other parting words you want people to know to hear from you? Last question. Yeah, yeah. Um, no pressure. It's, no, no, no. It's, it's, I think it's the best question. Um, because to this day, I'm haunted by uh, the career advice I was given by my senior year statistics teacher. 
He was Russian. He was a genius. And in his accent, out of nowhere, you know, right in the middle of a statistics lesson, yeah. he just starts dropping life knowledge on the class. And Whoa. and he's, and, and he, I can still remember it like verbatim. He said, take whatever you're not good at and then don't do it. <laughs> and that was his career advice. And essentially, you know, his perspective was, he said, whenever something related to something other than math, I wouldn't pay attention because I'm good at math and that's all I wanted to do. And, you know, all the more power to him. That's what he did. He's a professor and he drives a Rolls Royce uh, to USC every day. Okay. That's One way to totally it. fine. And so my biggest piece of career advice is really get to know yourself and don't try to be well-rounded. And, you know, kind of the American educational system frowns upon that. You have to be a straight-A student in everything. Right. If you think about it from the perspective of this, if you could be okay at something that you're not naturally attuned to, you could be ridiculous, ridiculously outstanding at something that you're actually into. Right. And if you actually devoted yourself to not being well-rounded, and let's say you have a natural affinity for, or a natural like, uh, you know, predisposition for writing, which is what I personally feel I have. You know, I'm very creative. I love anything and everything that's writing and research related. Yeah. Those were the classes that I always aced, no problem. But I nurtured myself into a very quantitative uh, professional identity. Yeah. Now, if I could be arguably pretty good at something that I'm not naturally meant for, which was like, that was management consulting for me. Yeah. I'm not naturally a quant guy. I'm a researcher and a writer. Writer, right. I ended up going off into one of the most quantitative fields. Very and, much so, And yes. arguably being pretty okay at it. Sure. Um, what if I had just gone off and gotten a PhD in evolutionary psychology? Well, nobody asked me what I liked. Nobody asked me what I was into. And so that's my biggest piece of career advice. Take whatever it is you're not good at and don't do it. Because whatever you're into, whatever you're passionate about, it doesn't matter what it is. It's more important that you're passionate about it. You could be stellar right. in that respect. It makes sense. Eddie, thank you so much for the time, man. This was great. And, gosh, so many different knowledge bombs and everything. Uh, everything, I will have show notes at justgogrind.com slash podcast. All the show notes from this episode and every episode, whenever they're posted, that's where it will be. Um, check this one out, the show notes, if you want to catch up on something. Um, Eddie, thanks again, and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, Justin. How are you doing? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. That's justgogrind.com slash podcast. Also, if you leave a rating and review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I would appreciate that dearly. Please do leave a rating and review. Lastly, if you like the show, you enjoy listening to this episode with Eddie Barrows, head on over to patreon.com slash justgogrind. We all have some different goodies there, different rewards for different levels of support. Thanks again for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. I will talk to you in the next episode. See ya.